Yes, welcome in, boys and girls. It's your second podcast of the week, Super Bowl week indeed, and our focus and attention shifts to the Kansas City Chiefs. Really enjoyed last night's pod. Big thank you to James and Jacob for joining me. They did their best to convince me that the 49ers are the team to get behind in the Super Bowl. But tonight, I'm joined by two guys who are going to try and convince me that it's actually the boys from Kansas to root for. And I'm delighted to welcome in both debuting on the Full 10 Yards podcast, two members of the staff. First, you're going to welcome in Alex, a new recruit, a free agent signing just a couple of months back. Alex has been banging out some excellent NFL articles. Cowboys fan for his sins, but uh, with that being said, nevertheless, Alex, welcome in, mate. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Sad to be a Cowboys fan, but apart from that, all good. Yeah, must must be a thing about this podcast, mate, Cowboys fans. But uh, yeah, you're obviously in Tim's good books. So not a bad way to get going, getting getting the good books of the boss, mate. And um, let's also welcome in Dave. Dave, Saints fan, been with Full Ten Yards for a few months now. Gets you some fancy football content throughout the season. So Dave, welcome in, mate. How are you? I'm very good, thanks, Sean, sure, mate. Uh, I tell you what, I've been a bit. Could we had a Sunday without football? I was sort of a bit down, yeah, thinking, oh, God, this Super Bowl seems ages away, but now we're recording this, and oh, it's so close. Yeah, it certainly I'm is. Buzzing for it, yeah. Yeah, it's exciting times. Best week of the season, in my opinion. All the build-up to it, you know, all the extra podcasts that we're producing, all the extra content that's available on good old Sky Sports and NFL.com and all the rest of it really does whet the appetite, doesn't it? Um, and fingers, fingers crossed the game lives up to expectations so we'll get into the details of the game in our regular pod with the usual NFL crew but obviously this is a Brucey bonus for you this week looking specifically at the Kansas City Chiefs how they reached the Super Bowl and some of their players to watch out for if you haven't already checked out the 49ers version that was uploaded yesterday please go and give it a listen um, and any feedback always greatly appreciated so, boys, let's get into it then. Let's have a rewind all the way back to September, which doesn't seem all that long ago, does it? We were getting ready for week one. And the Kansas City Chiefs, pretty much a fancied team, I would say, from most people's perspective, off the back of an excellent season the previous year. Obviously, Pat Mahomes, not his rookie season technically, but certainly his first season starting, impressed everybody, rightfully won the MVP. And coming into this new season, expectations were high. And got off to a pretty decent start. Always good to get a road win in the opening week. And it was by 40 points to 26 that they went on the road to the Jacksonville Jaguars and got business done. Particularly impressive game in this one, Dave. You'd have probably liked it with your fancy football head on for Sammy Watkins, who went for three touchdowns. Well, absolutely, yeah. And in one of my fancy leagues, I um, had a PPR one as well. I had Watkins uh, as a wide receiver. However, I left him on the bench that day. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I had stinker that day. Um, but I, I couldn't um, believe, because Watkins, you wouldn't have really fancied as you know, the main man there. You would have expected, obviously, Tyreek to um, be putting up the uh, score in place. But it was just absolutely incredible. And he just picked up where he left off the homes and the Chiefs in general from last season. And it was yeah. spectacular. Yeah, no, absolutely. And like you say, you, you, you look back at that box score now and it is a pretty incredible stat line, isn't it? Tyree Kill, who, as you say, has been almost expected to be the big play receiver and the guy that gets all the volume. And he actually had two receptions for 16 yards in that one. Uh, Sammy Watkins, nine receptions, 198 yards and three touchdowns. An absolutely incredible day. 
not the day Still to leave him me. on your yeah, not the day to leave him on your fantasy <laughs> bench. Fair to say. Um, right. Particularly if you played him then the rest of the season, because as we'll allude to, they were Sammy's only three touchdowns of the season. Um, so yeah, a bit of a shame if he was on your bench for that day, mate. But we'll Big we'll, time. Gloss, <laughs> we'll gloss over it. The next week, yeah. uh, again on the road, divisional game, Oakland Raiders, twenty-eight points to ten, pretty routine victory in week two, moved them to two and zero, oh, and that set up what was at the time a game which probably ended up having a lot more significance than people would have probably given it credit for at the time. It was the undefeated Baltimore Ravens that were the opposition for the Kansas City Chiefs home opener. And obviously down the stretch, as it turned out, this had huge implications in terms of playoff seedings. Um, and Alex, it was a great game. Um, two young quarterbacks who potentially we'll see going head-to-head many a time in the future with obviously Lamar Jackson dueling with Mahomes. And ultimately the Chiefs outlasted them here, 33 points to 28 in what was a, a pretty tight game. Yeah, no, it was a great game. And I think at that point, it's fair to say we didn't really know what we had on our hands with Lamar Jackson. Obviously, he had that kind of that slide towards the end of the season four where he showed what he could do. And, and even into this game, I don't think we kind of had any idea about exactly how far he could go. I mean, this one, you know, he only had, he didn't throw a touchdown against Chiefs and, and maybe that's kind of a sign of a sign of why they didn't win. But, you know, and it wasn't, it wasn't one of his more dominant games, but his ability to go to Arrowhead and... Uh, uh, not to go down, so but just to, just to play against such a great team and and put up. If you look at, I mean, look at uh, Lamar Jackson's stat line: two hundred and seventy yards throwing, fifty yards and a touchdown on the ground. Kind of set up for the rest of the season, really. Yeah, no. So it was a bit of a blueprint of things to come, but obviously a big win for the Chiefs at that time. That moved them to three and zero, and probably living up with people's expectations at this stage. 3-0 quickly became 4-0 the following week. They defeated, at that time, the undefeated Detroit Lions. We forget that the Lions were undefeated through three weeks of the season uh, with two wins and a and a tie. Um, but they're winning, well, their undefeated streak came to an end at the hands of the Chiefs. 34-30 doesn't necessarily tell the full, sco- uh, full storyline. It was actually a Darrell Williams touchdown with just 20 seconds left on the clock that actually was the game sealer for the Chiefs in this one. And that you know, was pretty synonymous of the Lions, wasn't it? They lost a lot of games late in the fourth quarter. Um, but nevertheless, the Chiefs certainly would have been happy to get to 4-0 and when the perfect first quarter of the season was completed. They then went through a little bit of a tricky patch around the midpoint of the season. And as we did on the 49ers podcast, we'll do um, the season in two halves. But they closed out the, the first eight games of the season with a pretty tough stretch. Their first defeat actually came, Dave, in week five against the Indianapolis Colts. And Marlon Mack had himself a pretty good day. And it almost set a bit of a blueprint for what was to come for the next month with teams dominating the Chiefs on the ground and keeping Mahomes and Co on the sidelines. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that um, if there's one thing to take from this, it's a bit of a worrying sign, I'd say, for the Chiefs going into Sunday because playing the 49ers who are such a run-heavy team, as we know, but um, yeah, that Colts game was so strange because yeah, the Colts just managed to basically bottle up Mahomes. Um, I know he still had 321 yards, but <laughs> uh, passing. But it was still, um, you know, really, really good blueprint from the Colts. You know, just keep it tight, and then Vinatieri, before he really fell off the cliff, just kicked them to victory that game with four field goals. Yeah, one of Vinatieri's better days on the season, wasn't he, actually? He yeah, surprisingly. Had, he obviously had a tough one, um, <laughs> considering the standards that he has set himself. But like you say, that blueprint appeared to almost be set, and it was pretty much copied the following week by the Houston Texans, who, despite getting down big early doors, um, you know, the Chiefs put up 17 points in the first quarter. 
but the Texans didn't abandon the run game. Carlos Hyde kept rumbling for, you know, his average four to four and a half yards of carry, as he's pretty much done consistently throughout his career. Um, and the Texans actually managed to punch in three touchdowns on the ground through Deshaun Watson, actually getting a couple himself, and Carlos Hyde, as I mentioned. And they um, put another defeat against the Chiefs, so back-to-back defeats with a 31-24 victory. For the Texans, obviously, again, at that stage, back in October, we had no idea that that was going to be a preview of an upcoming playoff game. The following week, though, back in the win column, um, but it was a game that was remembered, unfortunately, for for the wrong reasons for the Chiefs. It was the game that Pat Mahomes went out with a knee injury, which at the time, Alex, looked pretty serious. And I'm obviously ended up not missing all that much time, but it was a 30 points to six victory. Just how would would you know would you have been as a Chiefs fan, or you know, well, even as a neutral who just appreciates the play that Mahomes puts on the field when you know we woke up on that morning finding out the news that he was injured. There was a lot of worry that he'd miss significant time. You know, that potentially had the the opportunity to potentially derail the Colts, uh, the Colts, the Chiefs season there and then. Yeah, I mean, like I said, for Chiefs fans, that must have been a pretty worrying time, especially when, and, and no offence to Matt Moore, he ended up playing, as we'll allude to, not terribly. Um, but you're, that's quite a stiff drop-off from uh, 5,000 yards and 50 touchdowns to Matt Moore. Um, so, yeah, no, I mean, it, it didn't end up being as bad as it as maybe it could have been. But, yeah, there must have been some pretty pretty worried faces when he when he was first going down. Those, those X-rays were being taken. Yeah, no, absolutely. And like you say, not uh, not good for the neutral. We always want to see the best players out on the field. Um, you know, but obviously the important thing for the Chiefs was they stopped that little mini slide, got back in the win column, as I say, moved to five and two. They rounded out then the first half of the season, as you alluded to there, mate, with Matt Moore at the controls. And it was a game against the Green Bay Packers, who at that stage themselves were an impressive six and one. Um, the Chiefs, like I say, started off impressively at 4-0, but another defeat here would have dropped them to 5-3. and three, And that's exactly what happened. The Packers, on the road, they got up early. They were put up 14 points in the first quarter. The Chiefs battled back to actually take a half-time lead, um, but ultimately it was an Aaron Jones receiving touchdown, a 67-yarder um, in the fourth quarter. Um, you know, Pretty explosive drive from the the Packers. It was only two plays, as you can imagine, when one of them goes for 67 yards. Damian Williams had just tied the ball game up, and then Aaron Jones did that. And that was all she wrote. It was 31-24. to It wasn't a complete disaster of a performance from Matt Moore, as we said. Um, His numbers were actually reasonable. 24 of 36, a couple of touchdowns on the night. Um, But unfortunately for the Chiefs, they just hadn't got much of the ground game going through the first half of the season. They continually were plodding out LaShawn McCoy, who had been a free agent pickup. He'd obviously got a history with Andy Reid, but he didn't really do an awful lot, did he, in that first half of the season? I think it's safe to say that there's not much tread left on those tyres. So there was plenty for the Chiefs to ponder moving into the second half of the season after an electric start at 4-0. Five and three, and plenty of questions were starting to be asked. Right, boys, let's take a break from the season that was, and let's talk about a couple of the key contributors on this Kansas City Chiefs team, some guys that potentially could make a bit of a difference come Super Bowl Sunday. And let's start on the defensive side of the ball for a change. We we, all, we often focus on the offence, and obviously when we think of the Chiefs, you know, there's plenty of names that spring to mind. Most of them are on that side of the ball. Well, this is a defence that's improved throughout the season, I think it's safe to say. You know, we, we've certainly mentioned there that they had struggles against the run. Certainly in the early part of the season, it has improved quite significantly down the stretch, which we'll touch on. 
Um, but I'll start with yourself, Alex. I know there's a guy that's at the back end of that defence who's had himself quite an impressive season, um, and that's the Honey Badger, Tyron Matthew. Yeah, he's had, he has had a good season. I mean, and and to be fair to him, that's a couple of good seasons. I mean, he played pretty well last year, just his one year stop at uh, at the Texans. I thought he played pretty well, but this is a guy who I think, as much as his play on the field, he's such a tone setter, and I think that's that you can really see that in this year's in this year's defense. I mean, he's only five nine, but he plays like he's about six foot five. I mean, that he, just that hit on Corey Davis is enough to explain to you exactly what this guy's about. That the one from last week. I mean. He he sees it. He reads it. He's ex. He's got excellent vision for the field, especially from right at the back of that defense playing free safety. And he comes up. <laughs> he doesn't half put some good hits on people. Yeah, no, absolutely. Do you think he's going to take the job of of actually sort of marking Kittle come Sunday? I think it's possible. Um, he's he's taken on big big targets before. He's not someone that sh- that shies away from from taking on some of the bigger players in this league. And uh, yeah, I mean. It has it has been one of his more productive seasons of his career, apart from maybe his con- one of his contract year in in Arizona. Um, he's he's been excellent all year long, and and I think it's very possible that they that they line up against against Kittle and let some of the. But I mean, this is a defense in in all that's had a you know a fairly big change around this year in some respects. I mean, obviously they bought Matthew in, they bought uh, Sean Breland in, got rid of both Houston and Barry, who are some of their longest tenured players up until that point. Um, so this is a team that has been in, in you know, an element of transition, um, and and Matthew, with his experience, is is been key to keeping that and keeping that everyone grounded. Yeah, no, absolutely. Certainly been a good addition on the back end. Of you know, I've always liked his attitude. He seems to have a nose for the football, doesn't he? He always seems to be in and around the play, um, which is what you want from your playmaking safety at the back end. An area that they've improved this year compared to last one. Obviously, they fell short in the playoffs. He's actually getting to the quarterback though, and obviously picking up Frank Clark um, was a big part of that. And Dave, I know you want to talk about him a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, I mean, first half of the season that covered Frank Clark. It was looking like a bit of a ropey signing, really, after that trade with Seattle. Um, you know, he had three sacks uh, in the first few games, then got injured. He thought, oh dear, you know, is this going to be a bit of a bust, really? However, and we'll touch on this in the second half of the season as well, I expect. But in the second half, you know, he was just so, so good, so much better. He got five sacks after the bye week. And then the two playoff games, he's had, he's got another four. And I was looking back at you know, the footage and the highlights of Frank Clark in particular today and he's getting to players like Lamar Jackson and Deshaun Watson who are pretty tricky customers uh, under centre and I think that could be a pretty worrying thing for the 49ers because if the 49ers do have one vulnerability it could be in protecting the quarterback and I think Frank Clark could possibly have quite a big game on Sunday and he's really turned it around the second half of the season I must say. Yeah there was a there was a really impressive play I don't know if it was in the the the, the last game or the previous playoff game that um it was a it was a play that Frank Clark looked like he was going to get to the quarterback and then he was you know just avoided and then he had another opportunity which was just avoided and then it was essentially third time lucky but this was all on the same play the guy's just got a relentless motor he never gives up I certainly think he's been an upgrade on on D Ford from last year and and um you know it'll be interesting to see how much of an impact he does have on the game um, a guy that maybe you know not as well known, if you like, but certainly a guy that you know had a one one very impressive 
play in the playoffs in terms of on special teams um, with a big tackle on a fake punt from the Texans. He's um, Mr. Sorensen. He's another guy that you just want to mention, Dave. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, what a compliment to uh, Matthew uh, at the safety position. And I think what could uh, we could possibly see is not only Matthew lining up against Kittle, but Sorensen, who's a bit of a bigger guy. Uh, I think he's got about 30 pounds on Matthew in a few inches as well. And, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see him be put on Kittle. But yeah, that open, open field tackle on the fake punt against the Texans. Uh, he forced a fumble on the kickoff return as well. That hit on Tannehill on a third and 11 scramble uh, a couple of weeks ago. I mean, it's probably helmet to helmet, but still a massive stop for them. And I think him and Matthew could possibly be the key uh, to stopping not only Kittle, but maybe even the run game uh, with open, their open field tackling. is as good as any safety combo in the league for me. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's, it's interesting. He's a bit of a bit of a journeyman type player. Um, you know, he's been in and around the league for a while. Um, you know, when I say a journeyman, he's, he's, he's yeah, I mean that. No disrespect to that. He's, he's only actually played for the Chiefs, but he's, he's always been at the back end of the roster. Um, you know, he's never really had a great deal of starts until this season. You know, he's always been a backup. He's always had a role on special teams, but as was alluded to, particularly with Eric Berry not coming back. Um, you know, we've seen his playing time increase this year. Um, you know, and, and great to see, you know, a little bit similar to what we talked about with Raheem Mostert yesterday on the 49ers preview. Sometimes these guys just need an opportunity. Um, it's presented itself this year. And Sorensen has taken it. Um, you know, it's a good look to him. You know, he can certainly be a significant contributor defensively uh, on Sunday. One final player on the defence, just to mention, um, had a couple of big plays at the back end of the season. And Alex, you've already mentioned him. Brashard Breland, he's been a bit of an upgrade at cornerback for them. Yeah, I mean, this is a team that uh, over the last couple of years, that's the position of need on the defence. They've been, you know, they've struggled in different places. But I think the one the one thing everyone's always criticised is that the cornerbacks haven't been able to produce plays when they really needed to. And, and by no means has he had some sort of all-pro season, but he's been an upgrade and, and he's had a couple of, you know, big plays, major plays that uh, that sometimes it's just enough for this team to, you know, just keep it going, just get them over the line. Yeah, no, absolutely. He had a particularly good play, didn't he? Was it was it a pass break up against Julian Edelman in that game at um at um Foxborough, um where you know potentially that could have tied the game up for the Patriots. So I think it was Breedon that sniffed that one out, wasn't it? He's he's again he's another one similar to what I said about Matthew. He seems to have a nose for the football um and it's certainly been a good pickup for the Chiefs. There's a couple of defenders to keep your eye on come Sunday, but boys, let's get back into it and start looking at the second half of the Chiefs season. So kick off the second half with week nine, and again, Matt Moore still under centre, and this would actually be the final week that Mahomes would miss, but he took the controls and actually engineered what turned out to be a quite important victory against the Minnesota Vikings, 26-23. to Important for both teams in the end of it, um, because obviously that had significant impact on the NFC seedings as well. Um, but I think in hindsight, the Chiefs would have been delighted to have got out of that two-game stretch against two very good NFC North teams at one and one. Moved the record overall to six and three. And then obviously the stage was set for Mahomes to come back in week 10, which was at the Tennessee Titans. This was a Titans team that had just recently passed the controls over to Ryan Tannehill. He'd quietly been assembling, you know, a few decent performances. But this was probably the one that actually made people stand up and realise that, you know, hang on a minute, the Titans are going places here. 
Mahomes was back. Didn't seem like he'd missed a beat, really. Threw for a ton of yards in this one, Dave. But ultimately, couldn't get past the Titans, who actually took this one by 35 points to 32. Yeah, I mean, it was just a crazy game, wasn't it? I mean, Mahomes, 446 passing yards. Tyreek Hill, 157 reception yards. And on the other end of it, uh, as what was going to be a theme for the playoffs, Derrick Henry uh, had more yards on the ground than Tannehill did in the air, outscoring him 188 to 181. And it was just a, a crazy, crazy game. Uh, a really great game as well, but uh, probably a bit of a bump back to earth with the Chiefs as well, because maybe they thought, oh, my home's coming back, all our problems are solved. Yeah, absolutely. I think that you know, the important thing, and you know, this this has probably been a theme throughout the postseason, hasn't it? Not disagreeing at all with what you've said there in terms of the stats, in terms of Henry got more rushing uh, yards than Tannehill got passing yards, but obviously the the actual game winner, 23 seconds left on the clock, the Titans were down by five. It was actually Ryan Tannehill to Adam Humphreys for a 23-yarder um, that actually got the Titans in front. They then tacked on the two-point conversion with Tannehill actually rushing in himself. Um, so that was the first time that he probably sort of, um, you know, really caught people's attention. But as as we alluded to in the in the sort of latter part of the first half of the season, that blueprint had been set. Again, the Titans, as you alluded to, rushing the ball effectively. Derrick Henry, you know, who doesn't he rush effectively against? Um, but it was obviously, you know, a, a good um, victory for the Titans. It moved the Chiefs disappointingly back to six and four after such an electric start. Um, in terms of the rushing game, though, significant in this one. The Chiefs, you know, really committed to Damian Williams. 19 attempts for 77 yards. Only other person to have more than one carry was Sammy Watkins in this one. So, you know, obviously a real commitment there to Damian Williams after, like I said, a pretty plodding first half of the season from LaShawn McCoy. Um, you know, would that trend continue? The Chiefs then at six and four, and obviously you know starting to look over the shoulders a little bit. And a couple of big divisional games were next on the slate. They took care of business against the LA Chargers by a score of twenty-four points to seventeen to move the record to seven and four. And it set up what was a pretty big game, ironically, in Week Twelve. And we say ironically because you can look back now and and see how disappointing the finish to the Oakland Raiders season was. But at the time of this matchup, the Raiders were at six and five. Chiefs at seven and four, and unbelievably, if the Raiders had won this game, Alex, the Raiders had actually taken over the division lead. It wasn't to be though an absolutely thumping victory, forty points to nine for the Chiefs in this one. Yeah, I mean, this was arguably the Chiefs at probably you know one of their best best games we'll see of the whole season, and I think ironically, this is a division that you know before the season we we're looking looking to the Chargers to challenge the Chiefs. I think we all knew the Chiefs were going to be especially strong, probably dominant. Um, it ended up being the Raiders that gave them the closest fight. And, uh, and to be fair to the Raiders, you could say, you know, they're still in transition. They had a fairly decent season for the period they're at. But yeah, in the end, pretty pretty comfortable for the Chiefs. Yeah, no, absolutely. It set them up in the right manner, didn't it, for the, the next big game on the slate. And it was the following week away at Foxborough against the Patriots, the team that had obviously knocked them out of the playoffs the year before. Patriots at the time, of course, sitting at 10-2. and two. You know, their impressive um, undefeated start to the season had obviously extended further than the Chiefs had. So the Chiefs certainly looking up. They're probably at this stage not really any great deal of thought about actually overtaking the Patriots in terms of securing a bye. Um, but obviously, if there was to be any chance of that, they needed to go on the road and get the job done. And that's exactly what happened here, Dave. 23-16 to 16, um, for the Chiefs. You know, a bit of a comeback at the back end of it from the Patriots um, as, as the Chiefs were up. 
Um, you know, by a score of 23 points to nine at one stage. Um, they hung on in the end, though. Um, and, you know, we've already alluded to when we talked about him, Breedland making a big play right at the death to seal it in this one. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I was watching the highlights of this game a couple of days ago, and um, it, you, you don't realise just how close the Patriots came to winning this. I mean, they had a first and goal inside the 10 uh, to tie the game, but um, they also had a touchdown unfairly scrubbed off uh, when I think it was Keel Harry was ruled out of bounds uh, when he went into the end zone, but he's ruled out at the five yard line. But I think the Patriots are out of challenges, possibly. But um, I mean, I, Kansas showed some pretty solid defensive backbone in this game, I've got to say. Um, Mahomes threw for under 300 yards, which is more of a, uh, a surprising statement than usual. Um, and yeah, they kind of relied on the defence to get it done. And that isn't normally what, you know, 12 months ago, we would have expected to say that about Kansas. Usually it would have been the offence just trying to keep the team in the game. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think, you know, the, the significant thing in this one, you know, the Patriots obviously struggled to move the ball, particularly through the air this year. But even that committee approach in the backfield, you know, the Chiefs obviously much documented the problems they'd got defending the run. Um, but they only gave up 90 yards on the ground. Um, you know, so a really good all-round team performance. And like you say, you know, absolutely massive victory, really significant in terms of the seedings, really significant yeah. in terms of that tiebreaker, obviously, with New England. And again, you know, it is a game of inches, isn't it? We talked last night about Jacob Hollister being stopped on the San Francisco one-yard line, like you say. Let's assume that the referees actually give that Nikhil Harry touchdown. We could be talking about a completely different Super Bowl matchup. Um, so it just goes to show how vital every single play is. Uh, to round out the season, it became fairly routine at that point. The Chiefs had now moved to nine and four, obviously on the back of a three-game win streak, uh, and the momentum just continued to roll. Really, Alex, didn't it? You know, I'm not going to go into any of these games in any great deal of depth because, they, like I so, said, they were pretty routine victories. But 23-3 over the Broncos, 26-3 over the Bears, and 31-21 to to close the season out um, at home against the Chargers. Three fairly routine victories, and obviously securing that first round bye with that final day win. Um, obviously needed some help from Miami, and Fitzmagic did his bit of business for them. Um, but obviously the Chiefs ended up as the number two seed with a strong finish to the season. Yeah, I mean, you can look at any of the statistics or the percentages in the world that will tell you the, the, uh, the help that having the bye gives you in terms of your chance of reaching a Super Bowl. But I think in general for the, for the whole season for the Chiefs, it's interesting to consider that three of their four losses on the season came at Arrowhead. And that's not, that's, not the usual, that's not the usual way they do things in Kansas City. That's usually you get all your eight wins at, uh, at home and then you, you, know, you struggle to win away. So I think in, in all, a, a really good season, obviously, for the Chiefs. But, but one where you know, they probably look back and think maybe we could have, we could have done, definitely done better than we did. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, like you say, it is interesting, isn't it? Like you say, those three home defeats to Indianapolis, Houston and Green Bay, the only defeat on the road, that one at Tennessee that we discussed. Um, so interesting, really, like you say, home field advantage has obviously been uh, big for them in the playoffs. However, you know, both games, they've come back from sizable deficits, particularly the Texans one. I still shake my head out with the Texans failed to actually capitalise a 24-point lead and, and end up losing by 20. Um, but 51-31, obviously, against the Texans and 35-24 against the Titans. Again, coming back from a 10-point hole in that one. Um, so a really, really good season from the Chiefs. I think, you know, probably lived up to expectation. I think if you'd have said at the start of the year that, you know, these two teams would be in the Super Bowl, I don't think you'd have had many people probably doubting the pick of the Chiefs. You know, the 49ers, certainly the underdog story, aren't they? 
Um, and surprise, well, maybe not surprisingly, but considering the fact the Niners have a better record overall at 13 and 3 on the regular season compared to the Chiefs 12 and 4, still a bit of disrespect for the Niners. The Chiefs actually open up the Super Bowl as favourites, um, but that's probably as much as anything because of the superior quarterback play and obviously those pre season expectations. I've mentioned the quarterback. He probably transitioned us nicely then, gents, just to have a look at a few of the guys on the offensive side of the ball. And I don't think we can go much further with the Kansas City Chiefs without talking about the signal caller himself. So, Alex, take it away. Patrick Mahomes, current MVP, um, until probably Lamar Jackson's crowned that in a week's time. Um, but for now, certainly, you know, if you offered me either of those two quarterbacks, I'd know exactly which one I'd be taking. Yeah, it's just kind of difficult to know where to start with Patrick Mahomes. There's so many compliments you can give him and, and I agree um, that he's definitely mine and most people's selection if you could take one quarterback in the league right now. I think coming off 5,050, everything's going to be difficult to match, to be honest. You know, everything's going to look like it's kind of a drop-off. But I think Patrick Mahomes this season, it's less about the stat lines and more about uh, the confidence, kind of the attitude that he's had this year. I mean, we saw the count to 10 against the Bears, just bits and pieces like that. He seems to have really found his kind of he knows who he is now. He has that. He has real confidence in his receivers and himself, um, and and he's doing different things. I mean, we know he can throw the ball out of the stadium, um, but the things like the the rushing touchdown against the Titans, the end of the the second quarter, um, just different bits and pieces. He's really he's he's willing his team to victories now, and he's doing it in different ways than he was doing last season. And I think that's a real that shows a real sign of development in his game in all sorts in all sectors of his game. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think, you know, like you said, the, the stats was always going to be extremely difficult to to reproduce, wasn't it? Like you say, 50 touchdowns was pretty much a season for the ages. Then we have to bear in mind, he obviously missed a couple of games. Um, you know, so he would probably, you know, based on Mahomes and regularly throwing for sort of 300, 300 plus, he'd have probably been in around the four and a half to 4,800 mark had he completed a full season. His interception rate was down. Um, he only threw five picks this year compared to 12 the year before. Um, so obviously taking greater care of the football, um, but I think you know the thing for Patrick Mahomes that that really impresses me is you know you, you actually forget the fact that this is a kid that's only actually playing. I, I, I always say second season. I know technically it's his third season, but he's such a young quarterback still. There is so much more room for growth. Um, I think it's only a matter of time, isn't it, until he becomes the NFL's highest paid player, and I think he's going to be rightfully deserved. Obviously, yeah. though, for any good quarterback, he needs good people to throw the ball to. And Dave, you want to talk about a rookie that's had a, an impressive season, a deep threat in McCall Hardman? Absolutely, yeah. Um, obviously, Tyree Kill is Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey, Travis Kelsey. But you always need that sort of alternative threat. And I've been looking through his stat line and game logs this season, and you know he doesn't get, you know, he doesn't put up ten receptions a game or anything like that. He's not going to be a Michael Thomas for you. Had to get Saints reference in there somehow. And um, <laughs> you look at his chunk plays. In the loss against Tennessee, he had one target, one reception, and it was a 63-yard touchdown. Against New England, he had one target, one reception, a 48-yard touchdown. Against LA Chargers um, in Week 17, which you know, was kind of a playoff game in terms of the seeding because they needed to win and obviously needed Fitzmagic to do his thing against New England to get that bye week. And he has the 104 yards kickoff return for a touchdown. And even in the playoffs as well, he just kept, kept making play after play on special teams against the Texans when they were 24 0 down. He returns kickoff 58 yards 
and a few plays later, they're on the board. And he had six return, kickoff returns that day for 142 yards. Against the Titans, a 35-yard kick return when they were down by 10. They scored on that drive as well, four returns for 86 yards. And the guy just seems to make play after play. And for a 21-year-old rookie, I mean, this guy's a real, real X factor. And the real nugget that I've pulled out for the Super Bowl for this Sunday is the last time the 49ers were there, Jacoby Jones returned a kickoff for 108 yards and a touchdown. And I would be doing myself a disservice if I didn't think that that could happen again. Absolute X factor for them. Yeah, no, he certainly is, and you know, I think yeah, we'll talk about it throughout the week. I think they are two very evenly matched teams, and I think you know it could well be special teams making a big difference. Another special team contributor that you want to mention, of course, is Mr. Reliable, the butt kicker, um, Harrison. Butker, <laughs> um, obviously, obviously, as good as anybody really in the league, he's done it you know pretty consistently for the last couple of years. But he's the Chiefs kicker. For those of you that don't know, um, what do you think he's you know potentially significant come Sunday? Well, you look at the touchdowns. The touchdown run that Mahomes scored against the Titans was, yeah, absolutely magical. But there were a few whiff tackles as well um, in that run as well. And I think that against the 49ers in that kind of busted play, he's, Mahomes isn't going to get that first down. He's not going to get that touchdown maybe. And that's where you need someone like Butker to be able to come in and just be automatic from 50 yards, which is basically what Butker is. The only big miss he's had this season has been against the Titans in week 10 when he had a kick blocked as time expired but I don't think that's necessarily on him and the week before against the Vikings uh, the Chiefs were 23-20 down I think with a couple of minutes left and he kicked a 54-yarder to tie it and then a 44-yarder to win it as time expired the guy's got nerves on steel and for a guy that was I think he went und- he was signed off the Panthers practice squad and he might have went undrafted before the Panthers picked him up um, he's really, really come out of nowhere. And the Panthers now, given their kicking woes, must be absolutely, no pun intended, kicking themselves uh, for letting him go now that they're struggling with Jelly Sly. Um, and in a game of fine margins, it can come down to that special teams play or even you know, someone being able to make a 50-yarder at the end of the first half, for example, just to give yourselves an eight-point lead, for example, or something. Yeah, no, like you say, he's certainly reliable, isn't he? I mean, to be fair, there's two reliable kickers on showing this one. Robbie Gold's never actually missed a field goal in his postseason career. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if that stat continues to hold up. But certainly, like you say, the Chiefs will feel good with Booker running out there to kick between the sticks for them. Um, Alex, just last player to look at. I'm going to give you the choice of two because we've talked a lot about the Chiefs in terms of their receiving. It probably feels unfair to not mention Travis Kelsey if we're going to mention the Chiefs and their receiving game. So I'll either let you have a little chat about Travis Kelsey or do we want to mention the run game? And I said, you know, the, the sort of commitment to Damian Williams, you know, LaShawn McCoy's actually been a healthy scratch in recent weeks. We obviously think that could be a big key for the 49ers. Um, obviously, the Chiefs, you know, very capable of running the ball with Damian Williams. So, which one of those two do you want to have a little talk about? I think I'll go with Damian Williams. There's a couple of reasons for that. I mean, A, because as, as we've discussed in, uh, in several points during this, that it's difficult to get past the 49ers in any way, let alone if you don't have a run game. So, it's going to be important to get him going and, and get him going early. Um, there hasn't been too many games where as we also discussed, they've been consistent at getting the ball to him lots and lots. Um, so they're going to need to do that. Um, they've got a bit of a bit of concern in the last couple of games, both the postseason games. Mahomes has rushed for more yards than Damian Williams. Now, some of that is because they're behind and so they've had to try and catch up a little bit. 
Um, but I think there is a little bit of concern there. But if I think if they've got if they can get Dane Williams going early, they keep, keep giving him the ball and trusting him, and I, and I think I think he can get a good stat line come come Super Bowl. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I think what we uh, we've asked for some bold predictions for the Super Bowl. One of their uh, followers on Twitter has actually predicted that Williams will end up rushing for more yards than Raheem Mostert. So we will see how that one plays out. Um, good selection, mate, Damian Williams. But Travis Kelsey, if you're listening, plenty of love for me, my friend. You are an extremely good tight end. <laughs> Keep doing your thing. Oh, I'm sure Kelsey will get plenty of action on Sunday. Right then, boys, it's been an absolute pleasure. But unfortunately, the referees are running in, so it's time for us to get out of here. It's the two-minute warning. That's the two-minute warning. Okay, let's get this one wrapped up. Just before we go, just to repeat what I said yesterday, Super Bowl week, treat yourself to some new merchandise. Use the code FULL10 at the NFL Europe shop and get yourself an additional 10% off any purchases this week. That includes items already in the sale. So why not treat yourself to something nice, new and shiny in Super Bowl week? Boys, before we go, I did this with the chaps yesterday. Just going to give you 30 seconds each. Tell me why the Kansas City Chiefs will win the Super Bowl. And Dave, I'll put you on the spot first and start with you. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> for me, the Chiefs have the better quarterback and the better tight end and in the game that could come down to run plays as well. Um, I think Kelsey is going to make the bigger and better plays than George Kittle. And as I alluded to earlier, I think Mikko Hardman is going to be the X factor on special teams. And my bold prediction as well is that he will return a kick for a touchdown, be it a punt or a kickoff. Excellent. I don't think you're going to get many people disagreeing that they've got the better quarterback. The tight end could cause some debate, though. Certainly two very good ones, aren't they? I don't think you're going to go wrong with either of them. I can't wait for the full 10 yards Twitter mentions now. (laughs) (laughs) We will keep our eyes peeled. And Alex, same question to you, mate. Why will the Kansas City Chiefs win the Super Bowl? Uh, simply too many weapons. Uh, there's too many people to cover, uh, too many people that you want to double cover but simply can't. Um, and whether that's Nicole Hardman, whether that's Danny Watkins, finally has his big second game of the season, um, somebody's, somebody's going to find space somewhere. Um, it's about limiting Kansas City Chiefs' big plays and, I, and I'm not sure if they're going to be able to do that. Wouldn't it be ironic if Sammy Watkins opens the season with three touchdowns and ends it with three touchdowns? Wouldn't that be a lovely bookend to the season? It would be be perfect, yes. Well, if that's the case, Dave, make sure you pick him in your DraftKings team on Sunday, for God's sake. Yeah, I'm just about (laughs) forgiving him now. (laughs) Right then, fellas, absolutely appreciate your time. I'm utterly confused now. I've had two people convince me the Niners. I've had two people convince me on the Chiefs. I think the only thing for me to do is join Tim and the rest of the regular boys for our big Super Bowl preview show coming up later in the week where we will actually discuss the matchup itself. Hopefully the last couple of nights have given you plenty of insights into the teams that are there and how they've reached this point and some players to look forward to. So, boys, it's time to say goodbye. So, it's goodbye from Dave. See you later. It's goodbye from Alex. Goodbye. And in the great words of Kevin Cadle, it's bye-bye for now. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Full 10 Yards Podcast. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter at Full 10 Yards or email the show, full10yards at gmail.com.